This is Free Talk Live, the Sunday edition of the show. Joining you tonight, it's Sam. And Wayne. And Michelle is sorting out her microphone issues there. Sorry, we are uh, getting a little bit of a late start here. There's a lot going on today. And tonight we want to talk to you uh, about a number of things. This is the first Sunday show of the uh, of the new year of 2011. And Wayne, you know, we talk about a lot of the economic issues and the various things that are going on in the world and paint a, uh, a rather bleak picture, I think, for for the outlook of sort of what's in the pipeline as far as the, the dollar, the, the economy, the jobs. You know, there's just so much stuff going on that, that just it's, it's we've got some rough times coming. But we really like to talk about solutions because, you know, it's one thing to see here's here's what's in the pipeline and, and here's what we have to look forward to. But it's another thing to know, OK, given that all that information, what do we do about it? How do we get ready and how do we prepare and so forth? So you're going to we're going to talk about that. But you have a story about marijuana. Yes, I do. There's been evidently quite a few studies for a long time showing how pot shrinks tumors. And of course, that's where the term medical marijuana comes from originally. But a lot of people don't know the origins and, and some of the research behind it. Now, I've heard that uh, it kills the cancerous cells in the lungs and the, that it's good for you. But is this this is outside of that? These are tumors in general or what? Well, yes. Uh, actually, in February 2000, researchers in Madrid announced that they had destroyed incurable brain tumors in rats by injecting them with THC, the active ingredient in cannabis. The Madrid study marks the only only the second time the THC has been administered to tumor-bearing animals. The first was a Virginia investigation 26 years ago. In both studies, the THC shrank or destroyed tumors in a majority of the test subjects. Now, the reason that there haven't been these studies is not because just science hasn't gone there, but it's because the DEA, the, the powers that be, want to restrict this and have put marijuana in class one in the same category as heroin and PCP and all of these other drugs that are actually dangerous and could maybe cause some harm. And the the fact is that when they were passing the, what was it, the 1939 Marijuana Tax Stamp Act, where they, they put a tax on marijuana and then refused to give out the stamps to order in order to illegal, to basically eradicate it the same way they got rid of machine guns, is uh, the AMA was studying it and they expected cannabis to replace 50 50 to 60 percent of all the painkillers on the market. I mean, they saw this as a wonder drug and they didn't even connect the dots that cannabis was the same thing as marijuana because Hearst, with his newspaper empire, had -hmm. been out there painting this yellow journalism. Horrible picture. Yeah, because, you know, he had, I believe, the Mexican army seized uh, hundreds of thousands of timberland that he had purchased because of. I forget what, but uh, he really had it out for the marijuana guys and saw it as a threat and, and really sort of went after it with a, with a gusto. That's right, because he had a lot of timberland and uh, hemp, industrial hemp, which d- has no THC, is still from the same family and very uh, difficult to distinguish to, to most people between the two plants. And uh, industrial hemp is a major competitor to timber. And it grows faster, more prolifically. It's actually a better source of paper and other supplies than timber is. Now, I've heard a differing opinion on that, and it was from one of the uh, one of the well-known guys in the industry. I'll I'll think of the name in a minute, but uh, maybe Jack, not Jack Herrera, but one of the other folks of that caliber. And what he said was that uh, poplar is probably a better tree for paper, for low quality, just regular standard paper. 
because of the the harvest costs because with uh with hemp it grows so fast that you are out there in the fields cutting it down sending it to the processing plant and so forth every year and there's a certain fuel cost associated with that whereas trees you're doing it once every 20 10 to 20 years and so uh, you don't have all of those uh, all of that fuel and and extra petrochemicals and so forth that have to be used in that process plus there's all the bleaching and so forth that goes on in the processing of the fibers to get it down to uh, the products and services that we need well there's also a lot of other uses for hemp the hemp oil, for example, yeah. is very good for fuel. It can be used for biofuels. It's good That's for right. your body to eat. Yeah, hemp seeds. Do you eat those, Michelle? Absolutely. Yes. I've eaten some, too. They're Me pretty too. good. Yeah, they're good. There's no THC, unfortunately. But Yeah, but he did say that, uh, you know, for the higher-end stuff, like artist paper and different uh, mm-hmm. products, and I've, I've been to Amsterdam over into some of the museums that are over there, and I've seen everything from rubber sandals to, uh, you know, just really nice, silky-type materials. Pretty much across the board, if you can imagine it, it can be made with hemp. I use shampoo and conditioner made of hemp. I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a commercial, kind of like the one for, um, what is that one where she shakes her head and is, essence, you know. Uh, yeah. Herbal essence. Herbal essence, yeah. While we're dating ourselves. Orgasm yeah. in a shower, <laughs> in a bottle. We should come out with a hemp one, you know. Flip the hair. I, I think oh. there's plenty of room for that. Right. And in Canada, it is legal to grow industrial hemp, and that's where a lot of the hemp seeds that you get in the health food store come from. They're, they're product of Canada. Unfortunately, the United States could be growing those too, and I hope that in the next few years the Republicans might find it in their brains to to decriminalize or even legalize at least the, the, the growing of industrial hemp. Well, and that's why we see the, the states pushing for uh, legalized growing of hemp are states like North Dakota, uh, Montana, places like that where they're getting some of the radio signals and radio shows of these farmers talking about all the exports of hemp that are going to the U.S. because tons and tons of it come across the border because it can't be grown here, but it's fine for import to, to use in all these various products. So they're seeing this cash crop where, you know, they could be making a lot of money if it wasn't for these silly policies of the DEA getting in there and, and interfering in the marketplace. And one, and last I looked, the number one cash crop in America is marijuana, and it's illegal. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yes, it's, it's fascinating. And, you know, they can't keep it out of the prisons. Of course not. They can't keep it out of the schools. So legalizing it and having them or having it be a more consistent product, and of course it'd be a lot less expensive if it, if mm-hmm. it were decriminalized or legalized. Well, okay, there are two things that I find interesting about uh, growing hemp. One is Thomas Jefferson. You know, there's so many people within the liberty community who who use these the founding fathers as um, the heralds of of great truths, and and Thomas Jefferson mandated that everyone grow hemp at one point. Um, that was that that was a um, an essential part of of the cash crop here in the United States and and um, so how how funny that I mean I don't I don't suggest that the government mandate the growing of anything but how funny that that uh, a founding father over two hundred years ago would oh would, uh, even more recent than that during uh, World War I think it was World War Two they encouraged farmers to grow hemp because they needed the rope. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's more resistant to seawater and so forth. Mm-hmm. And the resins from hemp are also very, very hard when they when they uh, harden. But, you know, the 20th century was rife with the cartelization of various sectors of the economy, whether it's medicine or you can see with the industries that pushed hemp out. Everywhere you look in the 20th century, we had cartels con- uh, taking control of certain industries. 
whether it's energy, real estate, re- real estate, you got it. Uh, education. There's so many different ways where our economy has become a um, you know a cartel economy rather than a free market economy, even though they still call it that because the people yeah. in the cartel have a free market, but nobody else does. Yeah, and these are also the same planks. It's no coincidence of the Communist Manifesto. I mean, these are the things that the state takes over the the uh, production or control of and and starts uh, forming society in the way they want it to run. And yeah. That's that's what we're what has happened here in America. Yeah, sadly. Well, we'll get we'll get into some of that in a little while here. But basically, as this story goes on, it says that most Americans don't know anything about the Madrid discovery. Virtually no major U.S. newspapers carried the story, which ran only once on the AP in UPI News wires, February 29th, 2000. The ominous part is that this isn't the first time scientists had discovered the THC shrinks tumors. In 1974, researchers at the Medical College of Virginia who had been funded by the National Institute of Health to find evidence that marijuana damages the immune system, found instead that THC slowed the growth of three kinds of tumors in mice, lung and breast cancer, and virus-induced leukemia. Yeah, and the medical community is not talking about that. So no, they're not. We'll, uh, we'll come back, get into this story. You can call in, bring up anything, 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zimpax, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com. This is Free Talk Live, the Sunday edition of the show. You can call in and bring up anything that's on your mind by dialing 603-435-1105. Joining you tonight, it's Sam. And Wayne. And Michelle. And Michelle, you are joining us today for the first time because, well, there's a little announcement that I have to make. I know. And it's that I'm going to Texas. I'm leaving uh, New Hampshire for a little while. He's leaving in a big truck. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll uh, we'll get to that, but uh, we'll save that maybe for the last hour or something. But uh, anyway, I'm glad you are here. Thank you for joining us tonight. And Wayne, we have been talking about marijuana and kind of went through some of the the history of hemp and and so forth. And we're reading a story here about uh, some of the medical benefits that aren't realized because, well, the only difference between Schedule 1 and Schedule 2 is if it's on Schedule 1, as they've put cannabis, you can't even do medical research on the on the uh, effects and so forth, which is just so ludicrous because marijuana, you would have to smoke several pounds of it within 15 minutes in order for it to be lethal. So as, as far as an LD50 rating, which is the, uh, the sort of main measure of how toxic a drug is, cannabis ranks almost impossible to uh, overdose on. Yes, and we had mentioned uh, before the uh, break that in 74, the researchers at Medical College of Virginia were funded by the National Institute for Health to find evidence that marijuana damages the immune system, and instead they found that THC slowed the growth of three kinds of of cancer and even virus-induced leukemia. 
And what's cool, what's interesting about this, I should say, and, and actually tragic, is that the DEA quickly shut down the Virginia study and all further cannabis slash tumor research, according to Jack Herrera, who reports on the events in his book, The Emperor Wears No Clothes. In 1976, President Gerald Ford put an end to all public cannab- cannabis research and granted exclusive research rights to major pharmaceutical companies who set out unsuccessfully to develop synthetic forms of THC that would deliver all the medical benefits without the high. The Madrid researchers reported in the March issue of Nature Medicine that they injected the brains of 20, uh, I'm sorry, 45 rats with cancer cells producing tumors whose presence they confirmed through magnetic resonance imaging, MRI. Mm-hmm. On the 12th day, they injected 15 of the rats with THC and 15 with win 55212 2 a a synthetic compound similar to THC. And all the, uh, all the rats left untreated uniformly died 12 to 18 days later after um, brain cancer. So uh, nine of the THC p- uh, patients uh, surpassed the time of death of the untreated rats and survived up to 19 to 35 days. Moreover, the tumor was completely eradicated in three of, of the treated rats. Rats treated with WIN 55212-2 showed similar results. So, and if if we look at the way mainstream medicine treats this, they basically poison your entire body by focusing on the cancerous areas. You're talking about chemotherapy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or radiation. Where, and and you're basically struggling to survive the treatments and hope that the cancer dies off. I mean, it's such an inefficient way of doing it. And you know, I had a, a girlfriend that had leukemia and would suffer with in more pain than most people I think deal with in a lifetime. I mean, she would have a number scale cuz she didn't like to talk about it or focus on it. And you know, four might be a migraine headache for most people whereas a typical day for her was a 3. And she's out running a company, you know, working hard and so forth and cannabis was what she called the cure all because you know, it would it would take all of that pain away for her. I mean, it worked really well. And she she also she didn't like to uh, use very much of it because she didn't like the lightheadedness or anything like that. She just liked the medical benefits of it. So for these people, I mean, these drug warriors to sit there and say, "Oh, they these punks just want to get high." I mean, it's so ridiculous at these point at this point because there's so much evidence out there just like this. Is there more to this uh, this story? Well, yes, and. Very interestingly, in 1983, the Reagan-slash-Bush administration tried to persuade American universities and researchers to destroy all 1966 through 76 cannabis research work, including compendiums, compendiums in libraries, reports Jack Herrera, who states, we know the large amounts of information have since disappeared. Interesting. Wow. Well, you know, I had cervical cancer back about 12 years ago, and, and um, due to... Uh, some logistics. I, uh, I was unable to have insurance at the time. And so I, I mean, I had, I had sufficient money, so I was able to, you know, go and, and procure medical treatment for myself. But what I did was I went on a raw food diet. I had a minor surgery and then I did a raw food diet and, um, I watched myself and, and another girlfriend who had been diagnosed about eight months before me, she ended up dying, but not until after they'd cut off her leg, cut out her vagina, cut out her anus, cut out part of her lung, cut out her kidney, cut out part of her liver. I mm. mean, it was just awful. Mm. This 30-year-old woman, beautiful. and um, Being mutilated. Mutilated. And she was sick that entire time. And, and I was on a raw food diet. And um, 
and I had actually started smoking pot again after not doing so for about 12 years. And, um, and I don't know whether or not that was instrumental in curing me, but it certainly, I certainly used it as kind of like a, what I call a mommy's helper. You know, it just enabled me to kind of self-regulate a little bit, you know? And, um, and I think that your mental state determines so much about your health Mm -hmm. that, you know, if you are suffering from anxiety or depression or anger issues, or you're overwhelmed and you're having a hard time coping that a little dabble do you, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I mean, it just, it can just take that edge off to where then your brain can be used to make yourself well or to deal with your things. And I don't begrudge anyone that uses it uh, socially and recreationally, but I certainly have seen firsthand the benefits medically. Yeah, yeah. I think the body is certainly the greatest uh, chemist out there. I mean, it can produce anything that you really need. But you got to get out of its way, though, and let it do its job. Exactly. Too. Yeah. You you have to feed it the right nutrients and foods and so forth. And and I think having a positive attitude, thinking positively about life, about the world, not holding on to anger and resentment and uh, judgments about people, and you know all of this negative emotion. Uh, if it's not love and compassion then it's it's messing with your body. I, I really believe that there's a, a strong connection there. Have you ever noticed when you're really down about something that you tend to get sick easier? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm... Absolutely. And if you're stressed, you don't sleep as well, and then it becomes a, a compounding thing where you uh, you just get into a downward spiral in your health. Absolutely. And going back to the, uh, the alternative treatments, this girlfriend that I had, uh, her body would collect metals. Like, she couldn't... Uh, flush them out for whatever reason. And eventually her counts kind of crashed and she went to a treatment clinic. Now it used to be on the border down by uh, the Texas-Mexico border, but the FDA went after this guy and now he was over in, I believe, Tijuana or one of the other border towns. And the the treatment was pretty radical. I mean, this is not something that you would want to go off and do for a fun weekend. I mean, we're talking coffee enemas every hour on the hour for the first two days. She would drink shakes of, um, oh gosh, the wheatgrass, Mm -hmm. pressed calf liver blood, all kinds of other stuff, just the nastiest things you can imagine. Which made the flush from the enema just very (laughs) interesting, I'm sure. But man, did it work. Her (laughs) face turned black, flushed up all these metals, and she got much healthier after that. So we'll wrap this story up when we come back. You can call and bring up anything, 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, the Sunday edition of the show. If you like Free Talk Live and you want to find out more, you can visit us on our website at freetalklive.com. There you can, uh, if you have stories of interest, you can submit them to the website. Other users will vote them up or down uh, based on how interesting they are. And that's where we go for a lot of our show prep. And actually, we've pulled a couple stories out of there tonight. So freetalklive.com. Wayne, um... We're talking about this uh, medical marijuana. Are we? Have we wrapped that up? Is there a little more to the story? We've been kind of just going off on some tangents, covering some interesting ideas here. Right. Well, this the story I'm mentioning is actually from Alternet by a fellow named Raymond Cushing. 
There's another story right at the top of our show prep list here. Ganja babies do better. More suppressed marijuana research. And again, they're talking about, let's see, Melanie Dreher, RN, PhD, FAAN, explains her cannabis and pregnancy research study in Jamaica. Pregnant women and their children were studied over 10 plus years. Both marijuana smokers and non-smokers were included in the study. One of the first scientific studies on the effect of cannabis uh, that may have on pregnancy and the child's development thereafter. Now, is this mothers that are smoking while they're pregnant? Yes. Okay. Yes. I've heard that it makes the kids more nurturing and connected with the mom or something like Probably that. Probably have a good appetite, too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I would suggest a, a pregnant woman smoke it, but I think you can eat it. Well, I, I think I the, whole po- smoking the whole point general. of it, I think, is, is just to show that it's not as harmful and deadly as all these people portray it to be. That's the point. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't advocate that a pregnant woman does it. But the, 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 it's, it's really a uh, it's been around a long time and I don't do it myself, but I don't judge anybody for doing it. And if they want to do it, then I'll, I'll giggle with them. Do I'll, you drink alcohol? I do, but very moderately. I probably drink between six and 12 beers a year, not all at once. Ah. So I might have one or two. I, my limit's two, usually, wherever I go. Wow. I like to be of sound bo- body and mind. How about you? How about you? <laughs> What's your limit? Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm kind of a binger, actually. You know, like um, Sam and I were hanging out the last few days trying to get to, you know, parties and things around, you know, to give him like a send off and the last hurrah here and and uh, the Shire, and and so I mean, we stayed up all night long a couple nights ago, and and For New um, Year's, yeah. yeah, and I I slept two hours and woke up and, and realized that what I needed to do was start drinking immediately, otherwise I was just going to be tired all day. <laughs> 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 so I mean, wow. we I had a couple of magnums of champagne, and yeah, I I drank them, but um, <laughs> you know, so I but I like I said, I'm a binger, you know, I'll go and I'll probably do a fast here in the next couple of weeks and then I won't drink anything for a few months and, and what have you. But, you know, gone are my days of throwing about back 10 or 12 tequila shots and dancing on the bar. Me I either. leave that to the, you know, the under 40 crowd. Did you ever do the rock lobster dance? <laughs> <laughs> I did. No, I did that stuff when I was young. Believe me, I, I partied for We're all of us in this young. room. Come on. <laughs> no, well, I'm talking about when I was in my 20s. Right. And that's really when I stopped doing it. I lived in Hawaii, you know, and it was just so felt so good to be alive there, you know, and. And, and, you know, sweating and working out and being outdoors. And, and, and then Gold's you, Gym is open 24 hours a day yeah. there in Waikiki. <laughs> yeah. And then you, because you, you live there too, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, you contrast that with, with with how you feel the next morning. Now, I had one time where uh, I had a party for one of some of my uncle's employees and, and they came over with tequila. So we were, we were drinking tequila <laughs> and champagne. And then I woke up in the bathtub. <laughs> so I know what that's like. But And I just, one day I said to myself, I just don't want to do this anymore. I don't like this. But you don't yeah. feel like that, smoking pot. That is no, the one that's thing. True. That's you right. know, you don't have hangovers. You never, you know, I, I've talked to my kids about this. I have one of my three children who has sampled marijuana and, and he really tested my and challenged my views on what I permit them to do or condone or endorse or whatever. And he gave me a list of things that I've expressed concern about potentially, you know, for them, you know, for example, you know, having sexual intercourse with someone that you're not in love with or or whatever, you know, Um, he's like, there's really no chance that's going to happen if you're high. Whereas if you're drinking alcohol, you know, there's a likely chance. And, um, you know, just just 
the drinking and driving and, and et cetera. And some of the things that I've really been concerned about is my kids have got into high school and, and, uh, got drivers, you know, behind the wheel and stuff. And um, as I said, he really challenged my my position on that. And I had to, I arrived at the conclusion that, that um, no, I, I, I cannot say that I'm against him or her, you know, ingesting cannabis. It is uh, far safer than alcohol. I mean, there are a mm-hmm. lot of studies out there. The LD50 rating of alcohol, if you were to down a bottle of uh of Jack Daniels or something, that's enough to, to kill a lot of people. I and mean, they just wouldn't they'd get alcohol poisoning, which is just propaganda from the, the alcohol manufacturers. When you drink too much or you consume too much of a product and it kills you, it's typically called an overdose. But they don't want to put it in the same category as all those drug overdoses, so they call it alcohol poisoning, which sort of uh, lends itself to being like food poisoning, as though... The, the alcohol was spoiled by bacteria or something. It's just, it's silly. It's propaganda. Well, to me, alcohol is, is a drug to relax with. And a lot of people will have a drink after work to unwind. I used to have a beer after work a lot of times. I think I, I'm in a, in a situation where my wife is a prohibitionist. She's from the South. And so she, she, I mean, I can't even have anything in the house anymore. When the kids were really little and babies, then I did. And then one day I came home and, I, and there was one beer left and I was just dying to have it. And my son said, Daddy, we threw your beer away cause, and we dumped it out so the, the poor people wouldn't get it in the dumpster. Oh, my and, and that was the last time I ever had, a, had any beer in the house. Wow. And, well, uh, but you, you take vitamin supplements. I know you can catch a buzz off of some of the things you take, I'm sure. Well, there's, there's other ways. I mean, I go out and entertain clients and I'll have a glass of red wine. I love red wine. I like good quality beer. And I, I don't want to drink the junk beer. I like yeah. the watered down beer. If I'm going to have a beer, I want to have like a Grolsch or you know, something really nice, you know, something really uh, f- full bodied. And, uh, you know, th- that to me, that's the real stuff. Okay. Like the Germans drink. All right, so <laughs> how did we get off over here? Yeah, um, you were you were going to go on to a story about the, the mothers, but the ganja babies. That's in right. Jamaica. We're g- getting back to marijuana here. I think we got off in an alcohol tangent, but that's all right. Dreher's research is interesting and relevant because it, it challenges the prevailing notion that all drug use during pregnancy is bad for children. Ironically, some of Dreher's findings suggest that ganja use by mothers during pregnancy and their children after birth might actually be good for children. The 30-day test showed that children of ganja-using mothers were superior to children of non-ganja mothers in two ways. The children had better organization and uh, modulation of sleeping and waking, and they were less prone to stress-related anxiety. Interesting. Although no positive or negative neurobehavioral effects of prenatal exposure were found at three days of life using uh, the Brazelton examination, uh, there were significant differences between the exposed and non-exposed neonates at the end of the first month. Comparing the two groups, the neonates of mothers who used marijuana showed better physiology, uh, physiological stability at one month and required less examiner facilitation to reach an organized state and become available for social stimulation. The results of the comparison of neonates of heavy marijuana-using mothers and those non-using mothers were even more striking. The heavily exposed neonates were more socially responsive and were more uh, autonomically stable at 30 days than their matched counterparts. Quality of their alertness was higher. Their motor and uh, autonomic systems were more robust. They were less irritable. Of course, (laughs) 
<laughs> they were happy. The stoners are laughing at that one. Yeah, they the people are. People <laughs> who haven't smoked are like, what does he mean? They were less likely to demonstrate any imbalance of tone. They needed, they needed less examiner facilitation to become organized. They had better self-regulation and finally judged to be more rewarding for caregivers than the neonates of non-using mothers at one month of age. Wow. And it goes on more, but I think that's you get the point here that, that there's a lot of things, a lot of assumptions people make about marijuana that could be incorrect. Yeah, and it, from the sound of it, they, the kids come out more well-rounded, more capable of uh, learning and, and more aware of their environment around them. They'll probably eat you out of house and home. I'm surprised yeah. that the government's not endorsing on this. They don't care about that. They have a drug war to fight, Michelle. All right. We'll come back here in uh, just a minute. We've got more coming up. We'll get into the economy and some other things. You can join in. 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, the Sunday edition of the show where you can call in and take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything that's on your mind by calling 603-435-1105. And we invite you to join us on our website at freetalklive.com where you can uh, find out, uh, you can get go to news.freetalklive.com and find out about updates, the latest on the show. There's a Twitter, pay, a Twitter feed, a Facebook page, and so forth. You'll stay in the loop. Keep up with the latest things that are going on uh, behind the scenes, news.freetalklive.com. Joining you tonight, it's Sam. And Wayne. And Michelle. All right. And Michelle, I know you wanted to, you had a couple more comments about the cannabis and uh, pregnant female mothers and how we just heard from Wayne about how uh, there seem to be a lot of positive benefits, but you wanted to talk about what the FDA, the the government recommends as far as uh, pregnant mothers. Well, the government allows for, you know, the American Medical Association to legislate and mandate through their lobbies what is best for our health and, and what have you. And there are so many people that will actually just listen to whatever it is their doctor says without doing any research themselves. And one of the things that's become so common in the last 20 years is the um, taking antidepressants such as Zoloft, which is a serotonin reuptake inhibitor. And, and um, there was at one point where... I was sitting in a in a room of women a few years ago, and this was in um, Nashville, Tennessee. And they it was they were all Christian women, and they were all you know professional, and some were you know um, like pretty famous, even you know, so, and very res- well respected women, and and can really afford to see the best doctors or get the best information. So there was no excuse that access was was unavailable, and. of the women in that room were on antidepressants. Wow. Including one woman who's a a very, very famous woman. And she was pregnant and she was taking these these antidepressants. And we got to talking about um, marijuana because it was a well-known fact that I smoked pot. And every single one of them were just appalled and couldn't believe that I would do something that was illegal and it was bad for me and da, 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 da. And we got into the conversation about, and they said, well, you didn't do that when you were pregnant. I'm like, I didn't do any, I didn't even drink coffee when I was pregnant. But I mean, that's, you know, if 
I'm if I were smoking pot, if I were to get pregnant today, I, I may smoke pot, you know, during my pregnancy or maybe I would eat it or whatever. They're going on and on about how awful it is. Some of the side effects of taking things such as Zoloft, which is allowed by the FDA and, and um, even encouraged. And by not even doctors. considered irresponsible. Right. Yeah. Miscarriage, um, delayed uh intellectual growth, mental growth um, in children. And those are the two common side effects. And, um, and what about giving pregnant women sh- uh, vaccines? Right. Like, like they're, last year they were recommending, in fact, they were targeting pregnant women mm-hmm. with the flu vaccine, the H1N1 flu vaccine before, and, and school children before everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember, I, I don't have the source in front of me, but I remember that was also increasing the miscarriage, miscarriage rates. rates and yeah. so forth. And in Britain, they took they stopped the shots because they were causing seizures among uh, a, a fair number of people. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I just encourage people to take responsibility uh, for their health. As and I do their own to, research. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I think ultimately you have to be your own doctor. A lot of people are kind of lazy. They want to rely on professionals. That's how they've been conditioned. And, and so they'll, they'll just go to a doctor and listen to whatever he says. Sometimes if they're smart, they'll get a second or third opinion. But, you know, within a, cert, within a certain paradigm of medicine, you're pretty much going to get the same opinions because that's how they've all been trained. But um, I think that when you can become your own doctor and you can use a, a doctor as, a, a, as a, a medical doctor as your consultant mm-hmm. and you can go with what they want or what they recommend or not, then you're empowered. You're in a position where you can, you can be open to more possible uh, outcomes. I, you know, I haven't used WebMD, but I've heard a lot of people speak pretty highly of it. And I mean, just doing that right there, you probably have more information than doctors had 20 years ago with, uh, you know, what they're trying to use to treat patients. So I, I, there's, I think it's clear that the pharmaceutical industry and the medical industry is in the AMA are really in there. They've been taken over just like the, the financial uh, mm-hmm. sides have, just like the Federal Reserve and everything else. And, and the interests and the power has been perverted to benefit the few in, that, in those industries. And it's, it's been cartelized heavily. Yeah, it's not about the, the patients and the people. It's about maximizing their profits it's about uh, you know getting ensuring their monopoly and, and making money. Well, antidepressants are a huge, huge money maker for these companies, and especially with wealthy, well-to-do people who think they're depressed uh, or, or whatever they may say. Putting these people on these drugs is insane. Hey, I get depressed. Everybody does. Yeah, and I think that an essential aspect of being a human being is learning to cope and and you know rise to the occasion and overcome obstacles. And so the fact that you know, somehow depression is being um, labeled a, a disease that you have to rid yourself of. I think of it more as like a check on me, on myself, you know? Well, sometimes they say that depression is just anger turned inward on yourself, too. Hmm. How profound. I'll have to think about that the next time. <laughs> Give myself a spanking and then get on with it, right? <laughs> That's right. I want to see that. <laughs> that could oh, be. Boy. How limber are you? <laughs> I'm Careful, very you too. <laughs> Sam's face is red. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, that's great. For anybody on the webcam, take a look at Sam's face. <laughs> All right. I'm getting enough. a little red now, too. <laughs> watching you. I'm always red. Uh, All right. So have we uh, covered this topic? Is there anything else you guys wanted to chime in on? I think that pretty well does it for tonight, anyway. Yeah. Okay. Everyone smoke pot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. That's going to make it in the wiki page. (laughs) All right. If you want to share your thoughts, 603-435-1105, you're welcome to join in and and, uh, share the 
share your thoughts on this or just change the direction and bring up something entirely different. Um, I want to get into the bond market. Now, Wayne, this is our typical sort of uh, focus area for our Sunday show that we've done and the last one that we're doing here right now. So we typically pull out some of these economic stories and, and issues, and there's some interesting things going on in the bond market these days. The Fed is leaving interest rates at, at zero or practically zero, but yet the yield, of the interest rates on the bonds have been going up. So that usually doesn't happen is my understanding. And there are a lot of little signals that uh, there's, there's some, a crash coming pretty soon in the bond market. And there's also, you know, underneath the, the federal level, there's the states that are facing, I believe it's a $1.5 trillion deficit, uh, deficit total uh, among the 50 states that they're trying to make up as well. So we're the, the municipal bond market, the way they fund all of these schools and firehouses and city halls and court buildings and jails and everything else may be in jeopardy here as well. Oh, no. Yeah, it would be horrible, wouldn't it? So this is from uh, com. Is a bond crisis inevitable by Patrick uh, J. Uh, Backman? And he says, uh, is a bond crisis inevitable with Christmas shoppers out in force and the stock market surging to two years, two year to a two year high? Uh, talk is spreading that the long awaited recovery is at hand, perhaps. But gleaming the news from Europe and Asia as U.S. cities, states and the federal government sink into debt, it's difficult to believe a worldwide financial crisis that hammers governments, banks and bondholders alike can be long averted. Consider uh, Fitch and Moody's have just downgraded the debt of Ireland, Greece, Portugal, and Hungary. In Budapest, the politicians talk of, of default. Spain has been warned its uh, debt and banks could be downgraded. Now, this is something, Wayne, I know you and I both follow Gerald Salente, and I imagine, Michelle, you probably know who he is. But they have been saying for over a year that in Europe there are a number of countries waiting to fall like dominoes, and all of the countries they named were the ones that I've just read off here. So they said that, you know, pretty much uh, Greece or Spain may be one of the first ones. They're probably the worst in the worst shape. Great Britain's not far behind, and the U.S. is not far behind them. But, you know, I also heard, I read somewhere just recently that Illinois and California actually have a lower uh, rating or credit rating right now as far as the, the interest rate you've got to, uh, the people are willing to pay. In other words, uh, they're a bigger credit risk than even Greece is. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. I haven't heard that. Okay. And the story goes on here. The uh, European Central Bank is buying up its paper or buying up this paper to prevent panic uh, selling by investors. There is a talk of forcing bondholders to take a haircut. They would uh, trade their suspect bonds for new euro bonds whose face value would be uh, appreciably less. So... Basically, rolling over the the money into another fiat currency, kind of, and I imagine they're just printing that because the the euro's failing as well. It's an act, a final act of desperation before something big implodes here. Yeah, that's really I think what we're seeing is all of the the tricks that they're playing. They're running out of out of steam, and they they don't have anywhere to turn. Mm-hmm. So we'll uh, come back, finish this up, get into the bond market and uh, launch into hour number two here coming up. You can call in, bring up anything, 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live.
This is Free Talk Live, the Sunday edition of the show. We're launching into hour number two. Joining you tonight, it's Sam. Michelle. And Wade. All right, y'all got the order down. Man, <laughs> we're getting all professional-like here for the last show. You got to mix <laughs> it up For my last bit. show. You guys will go, the show will go on just without me. The show must go on. All right. Well, if you, uh, we, we will invite you to join us online, and you can check out there the wiki, uh, wiki.freetalklive.com. There are, uh, oh gosh, thousands of pages. Users can uh, enter anything they want. My favorite part is going in and looking at quotes from Mark and Ian, the things that they have said, even taken in context, they're still pretty funny. So uh, you can go out, go there, build a page about whatever you like related to the show, wiki.freetalklive.com. They're a barrel of monkeys, those guys. Okay, so in the last hour, we jumped, We started into a story from lewrockwell.com, is the bond crisis inevitable? And uh, I think the conclusion is pretty much yes. It's just a matter of how much longer can they hold off. Um, we've talked about, we just got through uh, covering some of the countries in Europe that are in trouble here. And the list is uh, Ireland, Greece, Portugal, Hungary, um, you know, on and on. Italy. Spain, Italy as well. Yep. I've seen uh, on Russia Today, they've done some just fantastic coverage of riots in uh, in Great Britain. I mean, and it's ugly. There were uh, people throwing Molotov cocktails into the lines of riot police. I saw that. And and they even attacked the, the royal family, uh, their their limousine, and they were yelling off with their heads. I mean, yeah. that, that's that's pretty extreme when, when you hear stuff like that. And apparently Camilla was uh, poked with a stick in that incident. So oh, that boy. was part of the shock. Um, but yeah, things are turning pretty ugly over there. The college kids are pretty upset that the government promised them a free education, then doubled the price on them and said, oh, you'll have to pay for the second half of this, but we'll give you loans for it. Don't worry. I, th- I think is how that went down. Well, they're, they're under austerity now, which means that they, they raise taxes and they lower the, uh, the services, the so-called services. Now, a lot of the services they've been promising for many years have been unsustainable, but now it's all hitting the fan. In that regard, and the same with this country. You look at all the municipalities in this country that have these really big, fat pension plans for their workers, and of course, their worker salaries in the last ten or twenty years have been going up because at one time a civil servant was not paid that much but had pretty good benefits. And inflation has taken the, uh, its toll on the medical costs, which mm-hmm. is part of their benefit package. And, and now you have a, a situation where these things can't be paid, and a lot of people are going to be screaming like babies who had their bottles taken away from them because a lot of them are are really addicted to entitlements. Yes, but you know what I've noticed over the last couple of years is when I have conversations with people regarding this, more and more the response is, "Well, you're not paying your fair share." If people like you were paying their fair share, then we wouldn't have this problem. There's this complete disconnect from from how the markets are run and things like that. So people really don't understand what does fair share mean because there's a lot of different taxes. Even if you don't pay income taxes. You still pay tax. Every time you go to fill your tank up with gasoline, you're paying a big fat federal tax share there when you get your phone bill your electric bill so well the the tax inflation is is a hidden tax but my point is is not what kind of taxes are whether some are legitimate or not legitimate just the fact that there are people who believe that it is someone's fault other than themselves themselves yeah and that that well, it's but owed to them and someone else has to fix it but everybody pays into the system it's the only way we can make this work michelle so what are you suggesting that the the government just breaks down and 
and, and leaves people. Yeah. Well, well <laughs> it sounds good, but then who plows the roads? And, and what about you know, the social safety net, Michelle? Yeah, how do I you know, deal with you all know, this? I would love to see my sons pick, take my truck and go plow our, you know, there where I live. I think that they could do very well. And um, so that'd be awesome. And I'm willing to uh, start an orphanage for, you know, children who don't have parents. And I'm willing to. So, I mean, I know that there is plenty. There are plenty of people within the agorist community who would like to compete with the government for those services. And I think that there's plenty of opportunity for um, for entrepreneurial people such as myself to take up where the government really definitely needs to leave off. Yeah, we had, we just had a snowstorm here in Keene, New Hampshire, where we do the show from, and there was, um, I think, about five days that went by before they came out and plowed the sidewalks. Now, they did the streets and got those reasonably fast, but there were several days where people are walking in the roads, you know, just sort of making their way through uh, snow drifts that are over a foot deep. And, you know, I went out and shoveled my sidewalk because I just didn't want to wait for the city any longer. But the fact is, nobody got fired over that. Nobody lost any business. The The bureaucrats mm-hmm. got paid exactly the same as if they had plowed it. But yet, when you look at, okay, who gets the, the parking lots cleared the first? It's It's the private stores that are paying somebody to come out there because they have, you know, competition. They ha- they're, they're paying specifically for the service that benefits them. And if it doesn't get done in a reasonable time, they, they fire them and hire somebody else. But you can't do that with the city. Well, the same thing if you have your driveway plowed by somebody. Let's say you hire somebody, it costs you 35 or $50 and they come in and plow your driveway. If they don't come and you're snowed in, you're going to hire somebody else. They lost the, the account. Right. And I've done that before. I've had to fire people that didn't come promptly when, when we needed to get out. But this is what government is now telling us here is that, well, sorry, you're just going to have to make do with less. We're going to charge you more and provide less. And that's why... Uh... And, and you know something? If these people in England were, were upset because they were losing their freedoms, uh, and maybe they are to some degree too, maybe the fact that they're being surveilled with all those closed-circuit TV cameras, maybe uh, they're upset about all the other laws that have been passed over there to, to create a police state in Britain on top of losing their benefits. Maybe maybe that's it. But if it's just over losing benefits, then then that's pretty pathetic. Well, I think that things have been heating up for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you remember the... Uh, the frog, um, the frog in the pot. Yes, yes. I mean analogy. That's true. We, yeah. You know, we have the benefit being our age to have had those kind of experiments because PETA mm. hadn't come along and said that you can't do it. But you know, people have just been heating up for so long that they really are not aware. I think in general of how bad things have become. And um, I was asked actually tonight what by a, a guy. Sam's going away thing. He said, you know, what do you consider your greatest, uh, uh, you know, quality in, in the liberty activist movement? And I said, you know, my greatest contribution for anything is just uh, being a mom, you know. And um, and seeing from that point of view, having being able to present that point of view. Yes. And yeah. the fact that I feel very compelled to promote liberty so that my kids can have even a taste of what I experienced growing mm-hmm. up. I mean, yeah, I, I feel the I same want it way. To be better, but the yeah. idea that it's it's so far removed from how it was twenty years ago is just that, scary. That, that's why I'm here too, Michelle. I've said this many times in the show. I'm here for my kids and and your kids and everybody's kids. I've had a great life at my age. I've done a lot of things in my life. I've done more in my life than most than a whole room full of people in a lifetime. You know, but and, and I hope I'm here another fifty years. But the point is, is that I don't care about that. I don't, it's not about me. 
I'm here for my kids and your kids because the future generation is not even going to understand what freedom means unless we, we start to edu- re-educate people and, and make people realize that the freedom that we've had, even in the last 40 or 50 years, has been counterfeit, but it's been getting worse. Yeah, and the reality is that our kids are not going to grow up in the same kind of world. They're not going to have the same opportunities. They won't have the same stability and, and uh uh, I don't know. They they won't be able to depend on things like we have been able to, and and the generations that have come before us have been able to depend on government because you know it's it's just gone too far. And, and, and by the way, I want to get to something too. Is that mm-hmm. in China, which is supposed to be a communist country, they don't have the so-called social safety net. Do you know the savings rate in China? Last I, I saw was about thirty-seven percent. Wow! So yeah. they save money for for retirement, for a rainy day, for emergencies. So they're doing it themselves, and that's the best way, because if you give a bunch of money to the government, which is, they put it in their big pot of money, it's not going to go to what they think it is. It's all being wasted and spent, like the Social Security Fund since the 80s has been just spent in the general fund. Exactly, and now they're depending on kids to pay even more than uh, their parents did in order just to support the parents and what's going to happen to them. And even in, in, in the federal budget now, they're saying now that even if we paid 100% of our income in taxes, they still couldn't close the, the deficit. Oh, I think that's how bad it is. More than two, if you doubled and took two hundred percent of the current tax level, uh, that that wouldn't even pay it off. It's just gotten so out of control. So, and the kids are, I think, seeing this and saying, "All right, enough. You know, no, we're not going to support you. This system is coming down, and and we're not going to take part in this. This is not my debt. I didn't spend it. Mm-hmm. You people did. Rightfully so. So it's going to be a interesting times here. All right. We'll come back. We're having some technical problems with the webcam. We'll see if we can get those fixed in the break, and we will actually read the rest of this Lou Rockwell story. We kind of got off on a whole uh, tangent there. You can join in the discussion, 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, the Sunday edition of the show where you can call in... Ooh, and I got to get rid of the camera audio there. All right. And you can call in and bring up anything, 603-435-1105. And Michelle's laughing over there. Am this I is flustering the, you, Sam? This is the Sunday. No. <laughs> He's flushing again. Every now and then we have these technical issues that come right. up. So, all right. Uh, <laughs> Let me untie myself here. Oh, dun, 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 <laughs> so the bond market. <laughs> Now he's really blushing. <laughs> now that the webcam's fixed, they pointed that out that nobody could see my face get red last time. Oh, well, here it is, everybody. <laughs> so anyway, all right, we're, we're talking about, we were reading this Lou Rockwell story um, when we started in the last hour and then kind of had just a general discussion around it. But it's, I guess it's important to probably back up a little bit and just tell people what the bond market is for anybody that doesn't know. And it's really the financing of government debt. I mean, it could that, be corporate debt, too, but, but the government debt's what we're talking about here. Absolutely. And so the government's out there selling these bonds, which are promises to pay in the in a, some future date at a set interest rate. By, and correct me if I'm wrong. You guys probably know this better than me because I've never really invested in bonds. But And then they take that money and go spend it on things that they need for the government right now. And today, or well, like last year... Typically, people think that it's other countries going in and buying all of this debt and so forth. And that's not actually the case. What's happening is the Fed is going behind the scenes, loaning out money to these banks at almost 0% interest rate. 
with the expectation that they turn around and buy bonds with it where they get about a 4% return. So, you know, pretty good deal. They're getting free money and then making 4% interest off of it. And through these, through this kind of mechanism, the Fed has been financing, I believe, 90% of the, the debt. And it's just spiraling out of control. I mean, they're borrowing billions of dollars every day just to keep the government running right now. And as we look across the, the landscape, the company, the countries out there that are still buying U.S. debt, company, countries like China, uh, Germany, I believe, buy some. Wayne, who else do you know? Russia. Russia, yep. <clears throat> Japan. Okay. Are, are big holders of, of uh, foreign debt. And, and bonds can be a good place to put your money during uh, deflation. But when you have inflation, they become uh, certificates of confiscation, basically, because then you've got your money locked up in this instrument that's not uh, maintaining, it's not giving you a return close to what the rate of inflation is. And that's what we think. And a lot of investment investment advisors are, are putting people in bond funds right now. And I just scratch my head when people tell me they're in bond funds. Crazy. Uh, because, and I hate to tell them they're going to lose their shirt, but you know what can you do with certain people? You can't really go into it too much with them because so they think they're right. So that's what the story has been going into here, and we'll get back to it. The uh, we had talked earlier, and it, and it pointed a painted a pretty bleak picture for Europe, and and talked about a lot of the problems in various countries over there. And it goes on: uh, the European Central Bank is uh, buying up this paper to prevent panic selling by investors. Uh, there is talk of forcing bondholders to take a haircut. They would uh, trade their suspect bonds in for new euro bonds whose face value would be appreciably less. So, again, they're just rolling paper, bad paper over into paper that hasn't gone bad yet. Uh, in, but it has this shiny euro symbol on it, which still has some faith and, and so forth, just like the U.S. dollar. That's all that's backing it at this point is just people's belief that it's actually worth something and not just these worthless pieces of paper. So in Latin America, in the Latin American debt crisis, the United States bailed out its uh, banks holding the bad paper by giving them U.S.-backed bonds while forcing them to uh, take a loss on their Latin bonds. Courtesy of Uncle Sam, Latin America walked away from a huge slice of its debt. The The uh, Japanese national debt is slated to pass 200% of gross dom- domestic product this year, Highest of any major economy on earth, half of Japan's spending is now financed by bonds. Tax revenues do not even cover 50%. And I think we're pretty close to that here in the United States. I know I've seen numbers that are projecting at least something like that in the in the fairly near term. And that also means that a lot of services that people have come to rely on are going to be cut, including police and fire and uh, God knows what else. Yeah, nor and it goes on, nor is America out of the woods. Financial uh, analyst Meredith Whitney told 60 Minutes we can expect 50 to 100 cities and counties to default on their municipal bonds. Uh, through, uh, uh, Though des- described as an alarmist, Whitney was among the few who warned that the U.S. banks were in uh, treacherous waters before 2008. Mm-hmm. So, And I remember getting on with one of the local politicians here who was talking about how we need to grow the, the local government and government should solve more of our problems and take more of our money. And I said, you, you've got to be kidding me. Just wait until the municipal bond market collapses. You're not going to be able to finance anything. And, you know, they laughed at me, too. They thought, oh, listen to the crazy person here on the phone. And, of course, now what's happening there's a 1.5 trillion dollar deficit among all the states for all these bridges and we have our infrastructure collapsing uh you know ah 
man, there's and, no and way to dig these, out of this. They're building these huge new schools when they've where they're going to have declining enrollment in the next ten or twenty years. Right, because the United States is actually has a negative population growth right now. Yeah, they do. And, but you see that the, the some of the uh, unions re- related to education and the education establishment wants more buildings. They want bigger buildings. They can hire more people and they can create this big monolithic uh, uh, monopoly on education, even bigger than they have now. But I think that's something else that's failing. I mean, the I, I think it will start at the university level first, because mm-hmm. when you look at the numbers, the the college graduates from 2009, half of them didn't have a job. Yeah. And yeah. Then that was when the class of 2010 was out. About hey, two- working in a coffee shop is a job. <laughs> well, you know, about two and a half years ago, Gio Salente, in one of his trends journals, uh, one of his trend posts, so to speak, was the great college crash. And it was about how colleges have spent all this money on sports stadiums and, and, and all these things, these wasteful things. And now a lot of people are not going to be able to afford uh, those big high prices uh, to go to college, and nor are they going to be able to afford being a hundred grand or more in debt when they get out of college. Well, I mean, and it all falls apart because they're not able to get a job. I mean, what does it matter how much debt you have or what education you have if you can't put it to use somewhere? And because of you know the exporting of all the factories and and uh, basically anything wealth creation and production in this company to everywhere, every far flung corner of the globe. And there's not as much opportunity. Well, there's less wealth creation, and, and there's, mm-hmm. so there's more people consuming wealth and less people producing wealth. And when that trend goes on for long enough, you have total collapse, and that's what we're headed for unless we can reverse it. And we'll talk about some of those things in a minute. Well, you know, we talk about the problems and everything, and, and I like to be solution-oriented. And, and, you know, back several years ago for myself when my economic situation changed, I had to drastically overhaul my life. And, you know, it's, I compare it though, um, to a diet, you know, if you are fat and obese and you have all these health problems, which, you know, I make that, I say that's analogous to the United States credit, uh, problem that we have and, and what have you, um, starving yourself is, is not a very healthy way of, of dealing with that, but you definitely have to cut down the calories that you're mm-hmm. putting into your body. Yeah. So people need to tighten up their belts, stop spending so much money and, and realize that you are not entitled to all of these things that you're expecting to be given. Well, to. for the government, that means redefining the role that government plays in people's lives, but that's not how they look at it. They look at it as, okay, where do we cut 5% out of what we're doing today? And that ends up being austerity Definitely. methods. All right, 603-435-11. This is Free Talk Live, Sunday edition of the show where you can call in, bring up anything that is on your mind, and change the topics in the show off in whatever direction you like by calling 603 603- 435-1105. That's 603-435-1105. Joining you tonight, it's Sam. Michelle. And Wade. And if you like the show and you want to help us out, you can go to promote.freetalklive. There are lots of ways to uh, promote the show. Everything from flyers that you can print out, banners that you can put on your website, uh, all kinds of other things. You can find out more at promote.freetalklive.com. You can also call in and make Sam blush. Yes, you can. And watch it on the webcam. Or Michelle can start <laughs> stripping again. And- <laughs> Oh, you that missed it. You missed it during well. the break. It was great. All right, let's go uh, unscreen to the phones and see who's this. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello? Uh, all right, didn't want to talk. 
Lost him. Okay, so let's uh, continue here with this article. We've been kind of going through uh, the bond market, and it, we explained what that was in the last segment and talked about a number of issues. Uh, and it America has been really doing these bailouts um, around the globe. I mean, it was mm-hmm. just released by the Fed that uh, that oh, who was it? Uh, now that I think Ron Paul has taken over oversight of this. Um, but there was a freedom of the a freedom of information act request that finally got i think bloomberg or somebody had requested it and they finally reluctantly released it and it showed how the fed it was bailing out foreign banks yep. uh corporations uh like harley davidson and general electric and had been given money to foreign central banks as well as M- msnbc which i don't know if you've heard the latest clip from there but there's one of their commentators said well the Constitution is not binding on anything. Yeah, I, I did see that. <laughs> I mean, isn't the, that interesting? The, the stupidity of some of these people. Well, if it's not binding, then does that mean that everything the government says I have to do is not binding as well? Well, yeah, because the Constitution was supposed to be binding on the government, not the people. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and of course, people who want more power are always going to try to uh, subvert something like that. They want to they want to break the chains and and uh, become uh, petty tyrants. Uh, that's happened throughout history. I don't think human nature has changed in the last 300 years. Have you? Are you? No. It hasn't. Okay, so they, the mainstream press is calling this uh, Meredith Whitney person who was on 60 Minutes and said, look, there's a, there's a major default coming here from 100 cities, probably more than that. I mean, that's probably just scratching the surface, I would imagine. Yeah. And uh, they're saying, the story goes on here from Lou Rockwell, if anyone is an alarmist, it's the New York Times. In an editorial the day after Christmas, the looming crisis in the states, the Times writes, uh, Illinois, California, and several other states are at increasing risk of being the first states to default since the 1930s. California and Illinois are are to America what Germany and Spain are to the European Union, the first and fifth largest states. Illinois writes the Times, quote, is faced with $4 billion in overdue payments the share has quote the share the state quote has lacked the money to pay bills. Some of its employees have been evicted from their offices for non-payment of rent. Social service groups have laid off hundreds of workers while waiting for checks. Uh, pharmacies have closed for lack of Medicaid payments. Uh, Illinois is also still borrowing to finance half of its budget. Can you believe you just said? That the pharmacies have closed due to not being um, reimbursed by Medicaid. By Medi- right. But, so, well, it's a federal program. <laughs> yes. So, you know, I'm a strong supporter, obviously, of the free market. But that just resonates so, you know, bitterly inside me. The idea that the government has created these... these uh, promises. Uh, promises. Promises. And, and now people, people are upset. And yes. Rightfully so, and because no they didn't pl- because they didn't plan for their own retirement or their own health care. They're relying no, on Wayne, somebody the else for it. Government's going to take care of them. All you have to do is work thirty years at the same job. You'll get a pension, a gold you, watch. You'll get, yeah, you'll get the uh, the social security check, and everything will be okay. Well, for a while it worked, but that was before this this uh, monster grew to the size it is today. And, and it, it was going to happen because if, if you can, uh, everybody wants something for nothing. It's the whole something for nothing mentality that, that has pervaded this country and destroyed it, really. I think it's human nature, and I think that it's something that you, we're supposed to overcome. 
I had this great mm-hmm. philosophy teacher who actually, um, Dr. Harvey, I love you. And I, you know, I don't know that you're listening, but I think you're still present on this earth. In any case, she was this amazing mind and was invited um, by China about 12 years ago to go over and teach um, economics, free market economics um, over there. In any case, you know, she, one of the things that she taught in one of her classes, which was a hero's class, was, you know, rising to the level of humanity, which is contrary to the nature of an animal. And that, you know, your neocortex and your, um, is what, you know, one thing that separates us from animals and that we are to overcome the weaknesses in our character, that that, that is part of becoming human. That is what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I'm not, I don't begrudge anyone for wanting something for nothing, <laughs> Giving me the option sure. to have well, something the, the for nothing versus is, not, yeah, fine, I'll take it. But but it is it's theft when it is when the government is the one that is allocating these because it's, the government is taking from one to give to another. At and, well, and at the yes. same time, though, the government is in there promising these people that if you pay into the system, this is what you're going to get. And then they go and change the rules or they devalue the currency to where they can't you know can't survive well, on. And it's what become a po- it's become a Ponzi scheme now. Oh, yeah, it, it has been for a long time. Now it's the Ponzi scheme is falling apart, and it's becoming very evident. So uh, we've got a call here. Let's go unscreen to the phone lines. You're on Free Talk Live. Who's this? How you guys doing? This is uh, Tony calling from St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, Tony. Hi, Tony. What's on your mind? Not much. Uh, I was just calling about, actually about a couple things. I wanted to see if you guys have uh, a little off topic. Sorry about that. But That's all right. Uh, it's Free you guys, Talk Live. Uh, Looked into the Stanberry Investment Advisory video. Have you guys uh, watched that? I have, yes. Uh, yeah, I've seen it too. Wayne, I think you're the one who sent it to me. Yeah, yes. I, I mean, uh, I uh, now recently started listening to Free Talk Live and the LRN Network, and I, I love you guys. I mean, late, like the past week, it's been a nightly ritual. I've just been playing you guys while I sit at home, and, uh, you know, you guys bring up a lot of good points. I I wanted to see what you guys thought about that it, you know, with that video, and if you guys took those, uh, what he said, like, seriously. Well, yeah, you know, what I want to say is, one thing, one point that he brought up that I thought was very, very profound in that video. Michelle, have you seen it? No, I have not. I'll have to send you a link to it. But the normalcy bias, he called it, and and it's so true because people think, well, it's never happened before in my lifetime. I've never seen it, so it can't happen. So everything's just fine and everything's the same. Exactly, and, and that made it. And I've always felt that way. And it, it, just the way he described that, I thought was very, very uh, persuasive. Yeah, no, I watched it. If I'm thinking of the right video, it covered some really great facts and really laid out the information. It just, for me, it repeated things and and made mm-hmm. it a little too salesy. I don't know. Well, that that's the whole point. Yeah, towards was to the s- end, it did lose me with that sales part, and right. it really kind of disappointed that whole video. But up until. He, you know, gave his sales pitch. I thought it was a great informational video, yeah. and it really opened my eyes. And, and I mean, I'm I'm real young. I'm only 18, and I'm just now getting it all into this. And it's just really mine. Like, you know, it's eye-opening to what I've been lied to, and not necessarily lied to, but just been misled and yep. all this information. It's just crazy that the government, who, yeah, like, supposed to there help us, and but yet is really just stabbing us in the backs and, uh, getting paid for it. So, Tony, what do you see as a solution for all of the corruption and, and the things that are going on? Well, uh, I believe her name's Michelle, right? Michelle? <laughs> yes. Hi, Tony. Hi, Tony. I'm sorry. Uh, 
Yeah, I I think she's right about the, you know, you can't totally just cut out spending. But you do need to look and just totally say, what is necessary? What can the people do for themselves? Because mm-hmm. that's what it's about, is less government. Government is supposed to be there for when the people can't do it themselves. Tony, so, you know. I'm right about everything. Just, <laughs> just establish that right now. And humble. So, right. So you're 18 years old. I have kids that are your age. Let me ask you this. What are you planning for the next few years of your life um, with your goals and ambitions to uh, to make yourself independent and self-sufficient and self-reliant in the coming years? Tony, hold on. Think about that question over the break, and uh, right. we'll come back and get Tony's answer about that and kind of hear about where an 18-year-old thinks the future is going. You can call and bring up anything, 603-435-1105. That's the toll-free number that you can call in to join us here on Free Talk Live Sunday edition. Joining you tonight, it's Sam. Michelle. (laughs) And we invite you to join us on the website where you can check out the webcam, cam.freetalklive.com. We were able to get that fixed during one of the last breaks. And there you can uh, watch us see our smiling faces on the webcam. And right below that on the same page is a chat where you can interact with other listeners of Free Talk Live, cam.freetalklive.com. Okay, we were kind of going through this story about economics and... Talking uh, to Tony. Tony brought up the the video. What's it titled again, Wayne? It was by Porter Stansberry. And uh, what was the title of it? I forgot now. But it was just about the current economic situation. Right. And I've heard him interviewed on other shows, and the guy is really a goldmine of of information. He really knows his stuff. And he has made a lot of these other predictions, like Gerald Salente. You know, he's one of the people who was getting laughed at when he said the housing market's going to crash or this is going to happen. Well, I subscribed to his newsletter on and off for many years, and I remember that, and I believed him. And that was one. he was one of the ones who reinforced my own opinion about a lot of these things. Yep. So, Tony, uh, we'll bring him back on the air. And Michelle had a question for you, and it was related to... um, where do you see yourself going in the next few years? What are you What are you thinking about doing to become more self sufficient? You know, kind of give us give us your perspective on uh, where things are going for you. Well, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Like I said, I just started listening to you guys about a week ago, and if you would have asked me a week ago, I would have told you I planned on uh, spending twenty years in the Marine Corps. Oh, oh Tony! <laughs> yeah, and uh, well, and then I just got all. All this information, and it feels like I'm going to be not even paid after I, if I do spend that 20 years, I won't even have a retirement fund. So, are you, you know, I'm. Are you thinking sorry. of doing that, honey, because you are not financially in a position to where you can go pay for college, or do you not have some sort of entrepreneurial, you know, endeavors that you're pursuing and that you kind of thought that that was a way out of Missouri? I mean, what's. Um, no, it was, uh, honestly, always, since I've been a kid, I've thought about uh, the service. And who and, ya uh, and all that kind of thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've loved all those war movies, you know, and all that. And I just always, that felt to me could have been my way to serve my country. And, you know, and uh, I strongly still feel, believe that uh, it takes a certain kind of person to want to go out and do that. And 
you know, though uh, I may not agree with whoever is in administration, it's uh, the point of I'm doing something that's uh, bigger than me and that, you know, so what did I you probably... what did you realize that kind of changed your mind about that? Well, uh, honestly, it's just, you know, the government is spending, 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 and uh, Social Security is, like, the biggest thing on my mind is, like, our biggest problem. is you can't give people money all the time and then take it away because they are going to be so pissed off. Yeah. But really, they just got to do it. Someone's got to have the balls to just say, you know, I'm sorry. You, well, you, look, or... you have six kids. You're not working. You haven't even tried to get a job. What, what's up? Well, you know, the, no, the best way to neuter a human being is to, is to give them a check and, and let them just do what they want. Look at the Native American community, what they did to them. Look at the black community, what was done to them. You know, it goes on and on, and that's what they're doing to everybody now. And, right. And, and, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and I just think it's just a little ridiculous. And, you know, I, I think if something doesn't change real soon, that it's going to be a very big problem for me and my generation. Oh, yeah. And I have a feeling you guys are going to check out just in time. <laughs> well, gee. No, Tony, but, that is so you sweet. You guys are checking out just in time. Well, no, I, you know, I, I can understand that. I, My daughter and I were going over last night the song that I once sung at my eulogy. It happens to be a Beatles song and what have you. But in any case, so so I, you know, I tend to think about, you know, the, my end time since I'm, I'm like maybe close to the second half of my of my life here on Earth. But that aside, um, you'll you'll have a much better chance at staying alive if you don't join the military. Well, uh, that's so, true. You're so right there. I and there's also you the... to not do that. But you know, if you think about like Braveheart and some of those other movies that are so hoorah and get us our blood pumping and go, oh yeah, the character Mel Gibson, you know, was um, or that was Patriot or the Patriot, right? So I'm thinking that he wasn't going right. out to serve his country. He right, had no. he had gone crazy, you know, mutilating I'm people. More so for his family. His family, absolutely. So I am all for a man being manly and macho and wanting to protect the home front and me, and I'll be the damsel. I can't and, even. And try. by I can't the way, by the way, you know where you're at right now. Have you ever heard of General Smedley Butler? No, I have not. Well, he was a Marine general, and he was a major war hero in World War One. He wrote a book called War is a Racket. And in that book, one of the things he says is there's only two things worth fighting for, uh, your family and your life. Everything else is just a racket. And I would encourage you to read that book online. You can look it up. Just uh, yeah. look up General Smedley Butler, and, and the book is actually free, and you can read it online. Please he, do. He's basically right, stopped. It called? A, it's, it's called War is a Racket by General oh, okay. Smedley Butler. He, he basically... He basically stopped a uh, a coup uh, mm-hmm. by some private companies trying to take over the the U.S. federal government. And what you guys are talking about the sort of the motivation, they, there's a reason, Tony, that they want 18 year olds or and younger to be the the ones going into the service because they can shape their minds and they fill them right. with these ideas that it's it's about the patriotism and what can you do for your country. You're fighting and this for our and freedom. That. You're fighting not for our freedom. You're fighting for the freedom of Exxon Mobil and uh, you know BP and and Kellogg Brown and Roots and wow. you know. Now that you put like that, I never really honestly thought about that. You know? Well, these are the people who are in charge of the military-industrial complex. 
they're the ones who are you know getting rich off of the the basically impending doom the collapse of the US dollar they're getting all of these inflated dollars being pumped into their companies they get to spend it at today's value and as it filters out into the marketplace that's where you start to get inflation inflation is not even a natural occurrence when you have sound money mm-hmm. it inflation is caused by the printing of the money so right you know that's what that's what they want you to do that's what your the the people are out there actually fighting for is what the politicians want because you know if the bailouts were were any indication the calls were a, a hundred to a thousand to one against the bailouts but yet the politicians still pass the bailouts so it's not about the will of the people i mean that's just silly these days it it, it means that either all of these uh, politicians in washington dc either have been uh, corrupted and they have dirt on them so they're being bribed and blackmailed or they just don't yeah. care you know, that was another hope of mine was to be the president. You know, every little kid wants to be the president. <laughs> but I, you know, I could have swore I could have changed something. But then I just look back and I'm like, you know, there is so much corruption. It's all about, yeah. you know, who's pleasure and who's that day. And I think you these, sound uh, like a very nice like young man, Tony. I think well, these, thank you. I think You're these welcome. presidents get in there, Tony, and they realize that uh, they're not the ones in control, that there are people behind the scenes that don't change with the Republicans or Democrats and or with the president. I think they know that even before they get in. That's the, who do you yeah. think puts who puts them in there? Yeah. Well, we had right. that call. Uh, uh, oh gosh, three or four months ago yes. from the lady who was mm-hmm. dating the guy who said he was picked to be the president, and he was friends with uh, Obama and and some of the other folks had met Henry Kissinger and on and on. Wow. I mean, it was a very fascinating story. So apparently, these kids are picked out and groomed. And mm-hmm. trained along the way and brought up to to be in that role. Well, whether whether they are or not, I mean, we I agree with you, Tony, that a lot of people you grow up wanting to be, you know, the president of the United States or, or land on the moon or, or whatever. And so, since you've given up on that dream, what is it that you're going to be doing in the next couple of years? Are you going to pursue education and and uh, possibly? Well, honestly, I've been uh, trying to. Me and my mom been looking up that uh, Free State Project. Yay! Out of the <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, to be honest, your mom too, I, huh? Well, I I am the one why she's looking it up, but yeah, I, was, I looked at the 101 reasons to move to New Hampshire. Now, now what uh, uh, what what's her philosophical bent? Is she a uh, Republican, Democrat, Independent? Oh well, she she would be rep- or Democrat, and I'm a. Uh, you know, I'm whatever. I, I just want less government. I'm libertarian. Really kinda, yeah, libertarian. But I don't. Some people classify libertarians as like you guys were saying as a like a Republican or a Democrat. I don't like to think that. I like to think mm. it's whatever is free. Liberty is freedom. And well, you know, so I then want, one of the things you may one of the words you may want to search on is voluntarist. It's kind of a it's an idea that uh, basically says, I believe that all interactions should be voluntary and based on consent of the parties involved, and that, you know, that's it, pretty much. So if you're having to force someone and threaten them with jail or, or taking their house or whatever, you know, these are the tactics that the government employs in order to extort wealth from you, then that, that's, that's immoral. And so that's a philosophy I would encourage you to look at. And Tony, I thank you very much for the call. Good night, Tony. We'll come back in uh, hour number two here shortly. You can call in, bring up anything, 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live.
Welcome back to the Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. You can call in, bring up anything that's on your mind, 603-435-1105. And joining you for hour number three, it's Sam. <laughs> at the same time, ready? One, two, Michelle. Wade. All right. And he looked at you. I thought we were going every other one. Whatever. Okay. Tweedledee and Tweedledum are here. Yes. Radio. You have to be ready for anything. Just like this, we're going to go straight to the phone lines, oh. unscreened. Um, who's this? You're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, this is Ray here. Hey, Ray. Hey, Ray. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, guys. Good show tonight. I want to tell you, your, your three heroes are sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> Not Tweedledee, Tweedledum, and... No, because the conversation you had with that young man. Oh. Let me tell you, let me tell you what happened in our little local radio show this week. Okay. A gentleman came on who wrote a book about his situation coming out of Vietnam. He had taken five bullets. He had just a little bit of a scar tissue that would make a sound that would make his voice. You know, and when we look back at that war, at my age of 52 years old, I just, I just luckily was young enough not to have been a part of that. Me too. But uh, my father was. My father was 11 years in the service, two tours in Vietnam as a CB, and I lived right across the street from a military base. So I got to see these wonderful soldiers come home and beat the tar out of their wives, mm. including my own mm. father. Mm. You know, this is not a pretty picture. And this, this young man you just talked to, you know, the thing that he has to see to understand is go down to one of those veteran vet hospitals yeah. and see those men missing two legs and one arm. You know, see what their country has done to them. And the care that they're getting. I mean, what they're doing with veterans now is trying to classify them with uh, PTSD or some other mental disorder and then take away their firearms. They're they're not getting the health care that they need. Or that they were promised. I think they were promised. The facilities are uh, in dire shape. And, and, you know, the, the problem, the dilemma that I have is that I support their intention to protect us yeah. and to protect the country but that's not that's what how it's that's been the sold propaganda that's not the, the propaganda. reality that's the saddest you know, sad truth about it were we attacked by vietnam no sir this country was no it wasn't we weren't attacked by any of these countries we went after we weren't attacked by iraq we weren't attacked by afghanistan it came out later about the gulf of tonkin incident incident was a total fraud go. yeah it, it's it's ridiculous and and this young man you know I built a wonderful life for myself, a 30-year marriage. I got a child 31 years old and one 27, wonderful wife. You know, I did that with an eighth-grade education. You, mm. If you go out and you believe in yourself, you'll get wherever you want. Uh, I've been retired since I was in my late 40s now. Well, and, yes, you know, but Ray, you also have to understand that you, as an eighth-grader, uh, 30 years ago, or far more, or you were far more educated than 90% of the kids that have graduated from high school right now. So, you know, don't, maybe it was a little self-deprecating of you to say, you know, merely an eighth grade education, but I'm sure that you were uh, more than Well, there's two qualified. things I hated in my life really badly. One was church and one was school. And I wanted to go to work. And I was lucky enough that my father did get an education when he was in the military. And after 11 years of being, you know, shot at over there and he was a CB, so he really wasn't in the fighting force, but everything he'd build, they'd blow up. So luckily he took me to work. Uh, when he seen I wasn't really good at school, I didn't like school, he took me to work, and there I was amongst men who treated me, you know, 
with a degree of respect, and believe me, I gave them a degree of respect. And uh, it's just... It just isn't anything like that. I mean, I can think back to the 70s and the CETA programs and stuff like that would allow a kid to leave school and go to work. Today, we don't let these kids work. We, we think they can. But yet, at a, a, a 13, 14, 15-year-old boy, he's just full of everything that he needs to work off. You know, he doesn't need to be out there. Uh, you know, and so anyway, just to wind that up, I, I just want to say, you know, I, I think you guys did great with him. I would like to talk a little bit about your financial situation because I, I've laughed at this since 1979 okay. when we went, we went into a spiral down. I mean, I watched uh, gas go from Texas. I think I bought it in 36 cents in Texas on my way to Alaska. Mm-hmm. And, and by the, that summer, I was paying a dollar fifty nine, and I couldn't even get gas on some days. I had to sit in the line, odd and even. I don't um, think we're far off from that type and of back, change. Back in the early seventies, you could buy a brand new, somewhat entry level car for about two thousand right. dollars cash. Mm-hmm. You know, we could get a Datsun back in those days. It got better miles than they do now. That's I mean, true. They the were lighter. Were, they were much lighter cars, though. They were tin cans. They were death traps. But yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, death traps. So it's a motorcycle. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's true. <laughs> You know, I resemble that comment. You... <laughs> well, I drive anyways. a Duke, I ride a Ducati. Okay, well, I hope you wear your helmet. I do. I anyways, wear Kevlar, uh... the whole thing. <laughs> it's not go. very. It's not very sexy. Yeah, it can well, be. That's, that's <laughs> Which takes it off. <laughs> all right, all right, Ray. Sorry, don't listen mother. to these guys. <laughs> I know. Go I, ahead. I can take their humor. <laughs> what I want to say about uh, uh, bonds and other stuff like that. There's some there's some places around this country, and I think it's some in New Jersey and stuff where the, the interest rates on their bonds are, uh, you know, forty and fifty percent because they're defaulting mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Okay. When I invest money, I, I'm not going to do any more than invest money in land and not big giant hundred thousand dollar pieces. Go for thirty thousand dollar pieces, and, and and I can get an interest rate of seven percent, and I really truly have something that you, when I sell it to you and you don't pay me. I don't care about that dollar. I'll come for that land, and I will get it. And generally, people always pay me, so I don't get into that situation. Well, you can go up but to it, Detroit right now and buy the entire city for for that much bucks. money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they say in, in they Washington say, State, where I live right now, there is probably at least ten houses in my town, and I live on the coast of Washington State, that are under twenty thousand dollars. Wow. These are good houses you could live in. Mm. Are you like near Kirkland or something? No, Kirkland is up by Seattle, and mm-hmm. I am south. You would go to Olympia, which would be our capital of the mm-hmm. state of Washington, mm-hmm. and then you'd head right over to the coastline. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an idea. When I came here 20 years ago, I bought 40 acres of farm, an old dairy farm, for $52,000 with a stream that ran right through the front of it. I mean, I got plenty of clean water. I got plenty of wood. And when I think that that's the security What is your address? Because like to... I'm going to come there if there's a problem. <laughs> Well, easy. It's it's Hoquiam, Washington. No, he's married, Michelle. Don't really you give out your address. <laughs> you, you have an affiliate in, in Aberdeen, Washington, that carries your show on Saturday nights. Nice. And uh, I've, I've tried to get them to, to carry you all the time, but, you know, they get the cops who are calling and other stuff on the radio show, and they said, no, there's, those people are anarchists and all kinds of stuff about you. But I, I do I do defend you because I listen all the time, but... But I think that that is, uh, you know, the security of owning a piece of property and having to pay for it. Not, you know, it's nice to, you know, to to have a low mortgage, but I'd rather have things paid for in my life. Yeah, my and only even my kids. My only concern right? with that, Ray, is really what happens as the the states, which are already defaulting, 
decide, oh, well, we'll just make this up by raising property tax rates, or they try mm-hmm. and they try and dig their way out of it without really addressing the fundamental issues, and simply, uh, you know, push push prices or taxes out of the ballpark to where people can't afford it. And that's already going on. The valuations are going down, and property tax bills are going up. Well, or eminent domain. Yep. But you can't. You're not going to take property taxes very high on land that's only worth a twenty thousand dollar house. Yeah, that's now, true. I, I'm not saying that they're all. I mean, we got our million dollar houses all around us too because I live right by the beach. But that's fine. Take their house. I don't care. It's. it's I mean, it's not that I don't care, <laughs> but I'd rather have their house gone because it's only a worthless piece of lot on a beach, in my opinion. It's not. It's not a piece of timberland. See, when you own wood, you actually have a substance of something. Wait a second. Wait, Ray, I've got to back you up there. You just said, take their property. I don't care. That I, 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 well, I, take... I do care in the sense that I'll fight with them. Okay. But if they're Be going to take any property, say. take, take <laughs> tax them out, because you're just talking about how they're going to tax them out and take it. Well, listen, I, I have a lower-grade piece of land as far as they're concerned because it's only 40 acres. It's not a lot overlooking the beach. Right. So I'm not going to get as concerned about their property. Believe me, I'm going to fight with them. And, and I'm a man who likes guns. So believe me, when this government goes and thinks they're going to take much of anything... You'll be out in the woods ready to go. <laughs> right. That may Hope it never comes to that, my friend. I got shot with or what we like to carry. Yep. So, hey, Ray, uh, thank you for the call. I appreciate you uh, sharing All your right. thoughts. Have a good night, sir. All right. We'll, we'll be back with more. Taking your calls at 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to Free Talk Live, the Sunday edition of the show. You can call in and bring up anything to 603-435-1105. And if you appreciate Free Talk Live, I invite you to check out the AMP program at amp.freetalklive.com. The money is used to advertise, market, and promote the show. It's basically the marketing budget for Free Talk Live. Runs an ad in uh, Talkers Magazine, one of the industry magazines that's still out there in print. And uh, Ian and Mark use it to go to some of these radio conferences and uh, meet with program directors who carry the show. And it gets Free Talk Live into the ears of more listeners, just like uh, Ray was talking about, uh, you know, calling the station, trying to get um, Free Talk Live expanded. Well, the AMP program is one of the best ways to do that. And all it takes is three bucks a month. So amp.freetalklive.com. Okay, uh, this is the show about your calls, and let's go to Brett in Indiana. Brett, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Hey, Hey, Brett. How are you doing? Great. I just wanted to call in and talk about self-reliance. All right. Go ahead. Um, Whatever made you think of that? You know, I have no idea. It just came to me. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) But, uh. I just figured, you know, everybody probably, you know, set some goals for it. You know, they want to, you know, don't want to rely on the government for anything. I just figured I'd see what uh, what you guys thought would be some good goals for people to set. Well, what we think are some good goals for people to set? Yes. Personally, I always tell people that they ought to have enough food uh, to last for six months, and that's just good thinking. I've lived through... uh, several different kinds of storms and losses of electricity and things. I just think that that's wise in general and and that you have to, uh, should have a storage of cash so that you can support yourself in the event that you lose your job or or whatever, that that's just wise period. And that has nothing to do with, you know, the end times or anything. That's just being a prudent person. 
Yeah, and I'm glad you right. brought that up. Uh, this is one of the things that Wayne and I wanted to talk about is kind of solutions for this economic um, catastrophe that's on the horizon here. And really, we talk about gold and silver and being a great investment because of all the price manipulation that, that we've covered in other previous Sunday shows and so forth. And I, I've gone into detail on my Tuesday nights. Um, but that's sort of secondary. That's one of the last things that you do with your money. Number one thing is you've got to have food and water, and just like Michelle said. Right. If you're not, if you don't have food, then you're going to be out hunting in the grocery stores with, that are going to have empty shelves. You and can't gonna, eat silver. Yeah, you're going to end up in the in the government under the government control because they're going to be <clears throat> sorry. They're going to be one of the uh, few organizations that has some food that they're giving to the masses, but it's likely going to be in one of their camps or something, and you know you don't want to be there. So number one is being able to produce clean water because that's the, you know, you, you can only survive three days or something without water. So mm-hmm. having some kind of water filter, and that's something that I've done. Having uh, long-term food that you can store, that's something else that I've done quite a bit of. And then once you're there, then you've got some other options and kind of different areas that you can go into. I think uh, one of the things that we're going to see certainly is a spike in energy costs, and that's in the very near term. We're already seeing that with uh, like heating oils hitting an all-time high. So finding ways to live efficiently, uh, to just sort of prepare for that. There are other, if you know, depending on how bad you think it's going to get, that should really shape kind of what you do. Some people have have uh, collected everything from like the little airplane bottles of liquor which are very small and easily tradable. And, uh, you know, booze is something that, and cigarettes is something people want even in a, in a depression. Yep. Tampons. Even if you don't use them. Toilet like paper. Condoms. Yep. Um, Never uh, use You them. know, all kinds of things like that. <laughs> coffee, I think, is very valuable. So having little packs of coffee, things that you can trade and, and barter with. So uh, there's that. And then on top of that, w- once you've got your basic needs taken care of and you have a place to stay and and, you know, pretty much your your shelter or food and clothing are, are out of the way, that's when you can start investing in gold and silver. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's all sounds good. You know, I, something I never really gave a whole lot of thought to, you know, I always just thought, you know, buy, you know, buy some gold and silver, maybe, you know, get, you know, make sure you get your house and everything paid off so mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about that. Right. You know, maybe, maybe, you know, a generator, you know, in case, because, you know, with the energy cost going up, that's probably might be a cheaper way to go. But. Right. But if it's a generator, you're running on gasoline and gasoline <laughs> or is going to be, or you, propane, yeah. but those are going to go up with mm-hmm. petroleum costs. So really you're looking at alternative energies, maybe a wind turbine or possibly a solar uh, power system. Yeah. They, they have grid tie inverters, which mm-hmm. basically... Uh, you can set it up to like a wind turbine or a solar grid, and it will take the power that's being generated from that, feed it back into your house, and if you don't consume all of what you're generating, then it basically runs your electric meter backwards and starts knocking power off your bill. And so that's a good way to to really sort of neutralize some of the increasing energy costs that are are in the in the near term. I think. Mm-hmm. Do you have children, Brett? Yes, I do. I have a daughter. Well, I think then that it's especially important for you to have food and water for that reason, simply because, yeah, yeah, because you don't want to have to be dependent upon anyone else to take care of her. And you can certainly Mm -hmm. be, you know, self-sufficient and scavenge for food in the event that there were some kind of collapse. But um, 
And the survivalist folks that are out there, I hear them all the time talk about have a, um, a an escape plan to where you have things that are gathered, ready to go to where if you if some emergency came up or whatever and you had to leave where you were because it wasn't safe for whatever reason, that you would have sort of a bag that you can grab that's ready to go and you have a plan as to where you're going and where you can can head to that you can find some safety maybe. So just having some kind of a backup plan, an alternate location that you can bug out to is uh, something they recommend. I'm going to go to Sam's if, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's a long walk (laughs) all the way down in Texas. I can ride a horse. Uh, So did that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, some good things to think about. Okay, well, thank you for the call. Well, you're coming up here, aren't you, Brett? Oh, I will eventually, yes. I have to talk my uh, daughter's mom into it to move up there, too, so she's not away from her kid. But I will be, I'm making a promise I will be up there sooner or later. Awesome. Well, we'll see you soon. Excellent. Thank you, Brett. Thanks. I appreciate yep. it. All right. So let's, uh, let's jump into that. I mean, we were um, talking about sort of solutions and so forth, Wayne. What, what, all, what else did you want to add to that? Anything? Well, the self-sufficiency thing is really important, uh, and I think being able to garden, knowing how to garden, because food could get pretty expensive in the supermarkets, if or maybe not available, like if you, if you look at what happened in Argentina and even when the Soviet Union collapsed. Mm-hmm. So being able to grow some of your own food, maybe all of it some eventually, would be a good thing. And... Um, uh, also, having relationships with your neighbors because so Very many times important. nowadays, you know, people don't even know their neighbors anymore. That's that's probably the key. That's the one thing I think we've left off out of this discussion is really what's happening. We've created this big hierarchical structure of you know the corporations and the big food producers and the big farms and and uh, the chicken concentration camps and everything else. It's going to, I think we're going to see a fundamental shift back to the local farms, to local produce, to local products. Although that legislation that they just passed, that food fascism bill, is is actually an attack against that. It is, but, you know, when it comes to people starving and uh, in the streets or following the government rules, I think they're going to just say, screw you, government, and grow their gardens and, you know, take the consequences. Well, I don't know. I'm not on his side on this one. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll come back and continue that discussion. You can call in, bring in your, bring up your thoughts. 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, the Sunday edition of the show. You can call in, take control of the airwaves by dialing 603-435-1105. Bring up anything that's on your mind, 603-435-1105. And if you like the show and you want to help us out, then I invite you to go to listen.freetalklive.com. There are all kinds of different ways to listen to the show. There are uh, archives going back several years. There are live streams, the webcam we talked about earlier. Uh, as well as the listen lines where you can, if you're away from uh, any radio stations carrying Free Talk Live, you can dial in on your cell phone and uh, listen to the show streamed round the clock. It'll have the uh, most current episode, but make sure your uh, your cell phone plan is, uh, you understand it because toll charges will apply or airtime charges will apply. And you can find out more about that at listen.freetalklive.com. 
Okay, so we had a few calls here about what to do and, you know, sustainability and so forth. And I thought this was probably a good time before we uh, end the show here to talk about my move to Texas because that sort of ties into some of this. Which is perfect because everyone in the chat is eagerly asking right now. What's going on? What's going on? Why is he abandoning the Free State Project? (laughs) Oh, it's not that I'm abandoning the Free State Project. I've... um, I've been looking at, I mean, this is kind of, I'll give you a little bit of the process that I kind of went through and where I'm at right now with it. I've been looking into the economy, to the finances of the, you know, the government and the dollar and and just learning all of this stuff from the show that we do, Wayne, from Free Talk Live. You've introduced me to certainly a lot of different uh, areas of uh, financial people and so forth that I've now started following and have really learned a lot. And I see what I see coming is going to be tough. I, I mean, if not catastrophic, I think, yeah, catastrophic is pro- is probably most likely. I mean, it could be severe, maybe, or it could be even worse than that. But I think it's going to be pretty catastrophic. Mm-hmm. And we never really got through this bond story, but it made it clear in the very beginning that this is not a U.S. centric thing. I mean, this it's going to go like dominoes. Whoever there's. Right now, the sort of analogy that I draw is there is this pile of kennelene and newspaper that's been doused in gasoline with a bunch of politicians dancing around in a circle, flicking matches at it. And so far, all of the matches are going out before they hit the fire and, you know, set it ablaze. But at some point, one of them's going to kick it off. And when this does, I think what we're going to see is really a global collapse we're going to see failure across the board of all of these fiat monetary systems. I think we're going to see, uh, you know, the the powers that be, the the police state and so forth. They're certainly going to use every tool they have in their in their basket to uh, really sort of do every do whatever they can to regain control or to maintain control over the populations, over the masses. I think it's going to get ugly. And they plan for it, by the way, too. Oh, they've been doing been exercises for for a long time. to go in and seize guns. To I mean, this is where Alex Jones comes in. He's He's been going to these conferences. They're bringing in foreign troops. I mean, there, there's just so much. I could talk an hour Okay, let's on say that. that you're completely full of crap, just for argument's sake. You are completely... On which point? Lulu. Um, on the idea that the sky is falling, that we can have this economic economic collapse, that there are, you know, banker families out there that are responsible for, you know, um, the world markets collapsing, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, and that there's not going to be a shortage of food. Let's just say that you are completely bonkers about all of that. So what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to go prepare for that. Mm-hmm. And so you're just going to have some some food stored and have a place set up like that. How much worse is it for the per- person who doesn't prepare? Well, well <laughs> exactly. It does happen, the best you know? case scenario, what will happen is you'll have inflation like the '70s. You'll have stagflation. Yeah, that would be the best case scenario at this point with everything going in its current direction. And so, if you can buy, you know, a big thing of toilet paper today or a bunch of them, Which it's going to cost a lot. It's probably gonna, six cases. Right. Well, it's going to cost paper. you a lot less today than it's going to six or nine months from now. Right. And if we have the kind of collapse that Argentina did, we you could see grocery stores be empty for a matter I, of days or weeks or maybe months, probably weeks, but. 
Yeah. Uh, I saw grocery stores get empty when I was living in, in Nashville last year when we had this terrible flood, which the rest of the country had no idea was occurring because why? We didn't accept money from FEMA or any other government agency. It was to the churches and independent people that came along. But the food disappeared. And that was just that was just a flood. I saw the same thing that happened back in Lake Tahoe when we had a really bad, you know, snowstorm, which y'all called this thing that this little dusting there was a couple of days. You call that a <laughs> blizzard, whatever. Anyway, so so all it takes is the trucks to not deliver food for a day or yeah. so, and then you look in your pantry and you have food for a couple of days, and right there you have a personal calamity in your family. Yeah. Absolutely. So. And that that's uh only part of the problem i I absolutely think if if the dollar fails we're going to see a breakdown of the supply chain yeah and when you look very delicate too yeah it's three days typically and in bigger cities it's even less i mean it's a continuous thing and you know, if we see oil is expected to go to 150 to 200 dollars a barrel, that's going to push gas prices well over five dollars, probably into seven or eight. And that's before hyperinflation even kicks in and the bottom seems to drop out of the dollar. So all of this is really going to cause major upsets in supply chains and business as usual. I think it's going to be a very uh troubling world for a long time and there will be civil unrest because people who didn't prepare and didn't do anything are going to be out in the streets with uh, some of them with guns wanting to know where they can get some food and that's true i look at this i see kind of what's coming down the pipe here and i feel like it's getting close like we're on the we're in the early stages of the acceleration of the velocity of money We're in the early stages of these continued acceleration of food prices increasing. Now, they've already doubled in a lot of cases, gone up 60, 40, 50 percent, depending on the commodity. And that's only going to accelerate as things get worse. And the government's showing no signs of slowing down. They're trying to create inflation. And what they're going to do is they'll... They'll succeed in creating it, but in the process, it's going to run away from them, and they're mm-hmm. going to lose all control. Wayne, you look like you want to jump in. Well, I was going to say that a lot of these governments have gotten themselves in such bad trouble that they're basically like black holes. So mm-hmm. when you're looking at all these bailouts, they're just printing up a bunch of money to bail these these governments and these currencies out temporarily, but it, it, it's not a permanent fix because the permanent fix is you have to let all the bad debt liquidate right. throughout the world. The whole world there is a, wa- a wash a- in debt. But the people that are holding the debt, you know, the bankers, they they want everyone to be in debt because the debtor is the slave. Right. And so the the, the way to solve this problem really is you have to let all the bad debt liquidate. You go through a, a, a tough time for about correction. a year or so. You go through a correction. You let everything deflate. And then you start over. And then you have a, a, a strong base to build from. But that's what the government is trying to prevent. They're trying to just, you know, kick the can is the term that they use. Kick the can down to the next election. Uh, you know, do whatever we can to avoid these problems from surfacing. And in the process, when they throw money at it, they just make it worse. They just intensify all of these problems. And when they do finally break, they're going to be even more catastrophic. So what I've, you know, I started kind of, I follow my intuition, number one. You know, just that's what I've learned over the last decade, really been focusing on in my life is how do I sort of... um trust my higher self and and really let it guide me in life and that's what led me to new hampshire to begin with to join the free state project and get up here and do some of the activism and and video work and things that i've done and it's been a fantastic experience 
And lately it was telling me to move. And at first I just thought, well, okay, I'll move somewhere else to a different house in Keene because I feel like, you know, if this collapse is coming, I have 10 years of food for probably a family of four <laughs> stored <laughs> in my house. So, you no, know, you don't because I'm coming there. So you don't have that. <laughs> well, that's the whole point that's about the having, problem yeah. of having people know where you yes. live and so forth. So I thought, OK, well, I just need to move to Keene somewhere else in Keene. And then I uh, talked to my landlord. He started looking for properties and so forth. And then over another month or so, I started realizing, no, I don't think I'm supposed to stay here in New Hampshire. I think I'm supposed to go home to my family farm out in the country in East Texas. And uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to build a uh, earth bag house, which is or kind dirt of a, bag is hike a course Speak of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll come back. I'll I'll wrap that up and tell you guys a little more. You can call in, bring up anything. 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live. <laughs> This is Free Talk Live, the Sunday edition of the show. You can call in and bring up anything if you make that call right now. We're doing the final segment of tonight's show. 603-435-1105 is the number. 603-435-1105. Joining you tonight, it's Sam. Michelle. Wait. Hey, they got it finally. Got it all. All right. So we are, uh, I was uh, talking about the sort of my decision to move back to Texas and head off to the family farm. You know, Sam, when I heard about it, the first thing I thought was I can understand that. You've got yeah. you've got a place to go, especially a That's farm. That's the thing. You know, a we farm. have a couple hundred <laughs> acres out there. I want to describe this for people. We have uh, at least, there's four houses on there right now that uh, two of them are occupied, two of them are rental properties. We have uh, trees. We have ponds that are stocked with catfish that are nice and fat. We have uh, uh, cattle that are not ours, but we lease the land out to cattle farmers. But there are dairy farmers around. It's an agricultural place, and uh, it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. So it's it's there's not a lot of major cities and so forth around. My mom is already running a ten acre garden out there, so you know it's pretty well set up. And my plan is to at least for the next couple years to head out there and uh, out in the on one kind of remote area of the property, I'm going to knock down some trees, put a pond in because I'm going to need to dig up some of the clan, uh, the clay and sand. And I'm going to build something called an earth bag house. You can look that up on Google and find some pictures of really cool shaped houses. They're kind of dome shaped and you can do traditional, uh, you can blend uh, traditional building techniques. I'm probably going to do that with a metal roof or something and have it uh, completely off the grid. I'll be able to generate my own power and so forth. And, really have a place that I can fall back to. And, and that's enough about that. We just don't need to tell everyone because they're going to show up and there's not going to be room for me. <laughs> Nobody else knows where it is. That's okay. the thing. Right. So, I've got a map. But that's that's what I'm doing. And, it, I, you know, I felt like I'm kind of drawn there. Um, I, I really appreciate the people up here, the Free State Project, what everybody's done. I feel like we have really sown some seeds that uh, as this collapse unfolds, People right now don't, not all of them want to hear what we have to say. They don't care about liberty because they have their six pack of beer, dancing with the stars and, you know, all this other nonsense to distract them. And, you know, they can, they can work at their menial job and, and sort of get by and have an okay life. Well, and that gets back into the normalcy bias. 
yeah. where, where people just don't uh, believe that something can happen if they've never seen it happen before. Yeah, and I think that's going to change drastically. And, you know, as we go through, it's I think it's going to be tough times for a couple years. Mm-hmm. But I think as we sort of emerge from that, the s- society will be profoundly different. I think we're going to see an end to fiat uh, paper currencies. I think we're going to, you know, everything from how we view ourselves, our history of this planet, of our of our race, of our place in the universe, all of this stuff is going to be fundamentally redefined in the next few years. Well, if you look at the obesity problem in this country now, it's just a, a, a symptom of, of the obesity of our society as a whole. Mm-hmm. That's what and, I was and, and saying a government earlier, as a whole. Yes. fatness. We're very sick, and I, you know, even the weather, I think, is a reflection of that of, uh, to some extent. Uh, just it, this... Our race has gotten very unhealthy, and we're going through this cleansing, this birthing pain, but I think it's going to lead to really a golden age, and all of these seeds that we've sown are going to stick in people's minds, and they're going to start to get what we're all about, why we were out there, why we're saying these crazy things and being ridiculed and laughed at, and why we didn't care, because we knew, hey... We're on the been, side of truth. We, we're on the side of truth, and we've been looking into this thing, and we know a little bit about it, so... I think in a in a few years' time, there's going to be a real opportunity for us to come back, for me to come back, certainly, and uh, really help guide and reshape society. And I think we'll find a lot more people who are ready and willing to listen to our ideas. And uh, where we go from there, I think, is going to be really spectacular and very different from what we have today. Our ideas aren't new. That's the funny thing. I mean, I no, actually not. grew up with the idea of liberty, you know, with, within my household and within my community or what have you. And uh, the idea that you are entitled to, you know, 40 acres and a mule. Um, we laughed at that, actually, when I was growing up in history class. We laughed at how ridiculous that promise was, a turkey in every pot, that you can't possibly, you know, I grew up during, during the 80s, 70s and 80s, you can't possibly make these promises. And um, so I'm interested in, in seeing people get back to the idea of self-reliance. Yep, and that's part of what I'm doing. So I want to say uh, thank you very much to all the people here. There, a lot of them have meant a lot to me over the last couple of years. Um, so... I really appreciate that. And, we uh, love you. It's been a yeah, we do love you, Sam. And, and I, I trust that Sam, we'll hear from you <laughs> and uh, we'll stay in touch and you'll call in like you used to when you did live in Texas before. And, that I will do, yes. And, and we really hope that you, um, you know, reach out to us. Thank you. All right, let's go to the phones. We've got Ed in Tennessee. And Ed, what is it? What's on your mind? How are y'all doing? Doing great. Hi, Ed. Hi. Hey, uh, you know, I kind of get y'all's concerns, but I really don't worry about things really, from day to day. The more important thing to me, which I know y'all knock a lot, is the rule of law as a shield, because without the law being a shield from government, what really matters? You can have all the money in the world, land, and people talk about having weapons against the government. Uh, today's time, they could lay a grid down and blow up communities at will. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, about famine. But, Ed, do you, feel that, food? do you feel that we have law and order today? I mean, you're talking about a police state that can go wipe out communities with, you know, from remote control airplanes. Is this law and order? I mean, Obama signed a, a executive order, which is basically legislating from his uh, from the White House, where he says he can hold American citizens indefinitely. They're, they've been executing uh, American citizens. Right. 
do we really have the rule of law anymore? Well, that's really what my point is. Without that, to me, the most important thing we should be talking about is the rule of law being in, being secured by law. In other words, our law is supposed to be a shield from government. Are not you talking a about the Constitution, Ed? Are you talking about the Constitution? Or are you talking about natural law? Because I'm a proponent of natural law. I'm not a proponent of of man made laws. Well, the two well, the two main laws are really do all that you've agreed to do and do not aggress against others or their property. If you follow those two natural laws, everything else is pretty much elementary. Yes, but what I'm saying is, like, you know, you're talking about the economic times are, are fixing to come up on us, which I think they are. And you mentioned Russian television. I watched that guy. He's predicting and telling people, you know, what's going to happen and all Max that. But, Kaiser. but also, yeah. like, what happened in Russia. With, yeah. Like I said, without the rule of, of law, like, who was the prosecutor for, was it Stalin? He, he just abused people, just go up and arrest somebody, no charge, no, you don't but get that's, Oh, my gosh. Like and then it happened to That's him. what's happening here, but, though, Ed. That's, that's exactly happening in this that. country. That's, well, that's why I'm saying the most important thing should we should be talking about security in the law. Well, see, that's the... There the, is, the it, it's getting out of whack, but still, that's because just ignorance of we the people... Well, I don't think law. so. Lysander Spooner put it best. He said the Constitution is either the document that has authorized all of this tyranny around us, or it's failed to prevent it. So, you know, I think the answer is in having a society that's safe. Everybody, all of us here want to live in a safe society where we can live, where we can, you know, engage in trade with others, where we can uh, travel. travel around the the geographic area and so forth without having to worry about being shot or robbed or whatever. But what we don't want to do is be robbed in order to have that to begin with. And that's really the only... The government doesn't produce anything on their own. Period. They, they produce steal <laughs> from the productive and then force them to take these services. And because they're guaranteed this paycheck, they can get away with all this stuff. Because, you know, if the government doesn't follow the law or if Obama doesn't follow the Constitution, what can you do about it? Well, that's what I'm saying. If more people knew and are aware. Millions of people of know and are on. aware of what's going on and they're still doing it. I mean, at this point, they are, they're robbing the cupboards I, blind. That's because we have what Mussolini coined as fascism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Corp- corporatism. You have corporations running everything. Our Congress has been bought <laughs> by corporations. And mm-hmm. look, yep. Jefferson and even Abraham Lincoln has got a heck of a quote about what he feared was going to happen with the economy with big corporations merging. He's all you know. It's happened. The military industrial complex. People, you're talking about people on, on welfare and stuff? That is nothing. Compared with the military-industrial complex, the uh, the war on drugs, the prison-industrial complex, trillions that of dollars. Is the worst yep. thing on people, but we spend more money than what the ten uh, ten next countries combined on Department of Defense, and who's going to threaten us? <laughs> Nobody. Well, it's, it's actually China or any of these other countries. And I thank you for the call. We're out of time tonight. Okay. Um, I think it's some of these other countries, as the dollar collapses, the U.S. is not going to be in its dominant position anymore, and they've just spread themselves too thin. So, all right, well, this is it for me for Sunday. Wayne, you're going to take over the show with Michelle here, and I, I think I'll leave the audience in good hands. Uh, guys, it's been a pleasure uh, signing off. It's Sam I Am. And Wade. And Michelle. Have a good night.